This is your host, Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur, and welcome to the All In Podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Hey, how's it going? Good. I was trying to click your link, and then I was uh, running up my stairs, and I tripped. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. I feel like uh, every athlete is actually really clumsy in real life. Yeah, probably. My brain is just uh, conditioned to just do throwing and lifting, and then everything else is just like, nah, it's okay. We focused enough on the physical today. (laughs) I totally feel you. I used to fall, like, going down the bunny hill at the end of the run, like, at the end of training. I was like, how does this happen? Like, that's where all my injuries come from, just riding down the hill. Yeah, my coach is like, I sprain my ankles regularly, and my coach is like, are we just, like, telling you you're not allowed to walk anymore when you're not practicing so that you can just not accidentally injure yourself. <laughs> you're allowed to train and then you're allowed to sleep and recover and that's it. Pretty much. That's, that's it. <laughs> well, anyway, if, if the way things go, maybe you'll just have to put yourself into a bubble everywhere you go anyway. So you'll be there you go. You just roll around. It's easy. <laughs> awesome. So um, anyone who's joining and doesn't know who Liz is, she is an amazing Canadian javelin athlete. Um, two times Olympian and multiple times, many multiple times Canadian champion. And she was actually the first uh, person on my podcast like three years ago, I think. So yeah. Oh my God, really three years ago? Yeah, I think so. I think 2017, I was like looking back through her messages and I was like, yeah, I think it's been like crazy. Yeah, New Marilona. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since you've been in Ottawa too. I think the last time I saw you, you were doing Canadian championships and uh, my mom and I came to watch. Yeah. 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 I haven't, um, last, uh, last year they were in Montreal and they're supposed to be in this year in Montreal again this year, but now that's moved obviously with everything. So. Damn. Crazy. So what have you been up to? What's like, what's your quarantine life looking like right now? My quarantine life is actually pretty sweet. Uh, I have, I have very few complaints. Uh, so I'm at my house with my parents and my boyfriend, and we have uh, kind of a great setup. So we were able to borrow weights from my club and from a friend and just, you know, kind of conglomerate our random odds and ends of bands and other things in minor three weeks. So I can do a full training cycle for lifts, which has been phenomenal. And then on top of that, um, I'm throwing a little, but we really looked at my calendar and we said, okay, since the Olympics isn't happening and the Olympic qualifying window is now closed until December, there's no point in trying to throw really hard right now. Yeah. Um, so we just shut my season down and I got two weeks totally off. And then we started basically re- rebuilding my program. So I just went into like some really an- great anatomical adaptation weights. So, you know, kind of like reps of like eight and six and just kind of, getting some strength back and uh, getting back to kind of like safer protocols so that I wouldn't hurt myself, but I could learn new movements. Yeah. And then a whole lot of stretching. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) My life is yoga. This is uh, my yoga room and my living room. I have my mirror here. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's been really nice because I don't have to go anywhere. Um, I don't need a ton of physio because I'm just looking after myself a lot. And then I'm just... uh, I started a, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, started a partnership with uh, Airbnb. And they're involving athletes now to create online experiences. 
So I got recommended to do this and I'm now creating a couple online experiences. One of them is teaching people about my morning routine and taking them through it, including um, ice bath or ice shower and some other things. And then the other one is a visualization. So uh, yeah, I've been working on that a whole lot, which is really weird because it's like another 15 hours a week of work. Yeah. And it's a lot. I didn't realize that like I haven't worked in a while simultaneously to doing social media and training and coaching. So it's, um, it's quite a bit more and I'm lucky that I'm not throwing very hard right now because I don't know how I would do it <laughs> while I'm preparing for this. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. That's crazy. I had no idea Airbnb was doing that, but I'm gonna have to look into it because that's so cool that they're trying to like really adapt their business model to keep up when, you know, people obviously aren't really staying at Airbnbs as much. So trying to do some sort of online experience totally makes sense. Yeah, it's cool. Like people are doing, like they've taken experiences they already had. So you you travel to a city and then you get a guide for like this thing and you have to go to through Expedia to find some big corporation. It's like someone's going to take you through on their personal tour and they're real local. So I like that they basically adapted that to instead of going somewhere and visiting somewhere, you can now visit the world or visit people that you wouldn't necessarily have access to just because you can do this through your phone. So they're really accelerating it with COVID. I think they already had the idea basically. That is really, yeah, that is really cool. I'm definitely going to dive deep into like the other things that they're offering because that is, that sounds really awesome. And especially from like the perspective of you being able to go and do that while maybe you can't like coach in person or do anything else in in person. Yeah. So what is it like? Like, do you take people through, like, are you FaceTiming people or something when they're doing an ice bath? Yeah, that's my plan. So uh, I've got the dry run tomorrow morning. (laughs) Um, And I've got it all set up because I kind of got like a series of things I do in the morning that I've like tried and tested and um like one of them is like always start start the day with like salt water lime and like himalayan sea salts and lime and it does a ton of things for your adrenal glands and hormones and kind of setting your circadian rhythm flushing out your liver there's just you know little things like that and taking people through it making it with them and then kind of giving them a glimpse into what i do every day and then if they can take something from it then that's great. So the ice bath, I'm going to probably like do an ice, like cold shower. Yeah. Cause I think there's some cool studies where you get like a 200 to 300% boost in your norepinephrine um, with 20 seconds of cold water immersion. So if you do, you know, a shower is a cold water immersion, but if you can do it for like 40 seconds, it probably has a very similar effect and it just has a really strong effect. So I'll, my phone's waterproof. So I'll take it in with me and I'll like walk through the shower and I'll show them I'm going to teach them how to breathe through it and to kind of treat it as a meditative practice instead of walking in and freaking out because that's really the trick. You're not going to suffer if you choose to look at it differently. That is, that's awesome. I, do you find that the cold showers are almost worse than the cold baths? Uh, yeah, because the water on your skin isn't warming up, right? It's yeah. constantly cold. But I mean, it's all how you breathe into it. I remember I've walked a couple of people through ice baths and they get in there and they're kind of like, <gasps> they're kind of losing their mind a little. And uh, I just tell them, okay, like you're going to just focus on your breathing. We're going to take like big deep breath in and then very slowly push it all the way out, but push it all out and then hold your breath. So you're empty. So you're not holding anything, but it creates this weird sensation of calm. And it's just, if you can walk someone through the breathing process a little differently, they'll realize that they're not feeling the cold so much as what fe- water feels like on their skin and the experience of being cold. Not that they're cold, but that, oh, this is what really cold water being like submerged feels like. Huh. So it, 
it's a different way of looking at it. It's not I'm cold. It's like this is cold and I am experiencing this, but it's my choice to experience it. <laughs> I'm choosing to be here and I'm happy with it. I like that. Do you follow um Wim Hof? Yeah. Um I yeah, I was really into it when like he first like it was first being promoted and I thought it was really cool. And I did like cold walks every day in like January in Lethbridge <laughs> for like a month and a bit. Like I really like committed to it for a while and I love it. It's uh it's just harder in Vancouver, I find, when every day is a cold shower. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of already getting that stimulus when it's uh, winter, but when it's, as soon as it's summer, it's, it's all I want to do is like wake up and take a cold shower and feel a million times better. Yeah. I, oh, I really love that. I've been, yeah, I've been enjoying the ice baths more than the cold showers. I've been trying to do a cold shower almost every day, or at least trying yeah. to like at the end of my shower, put some cold and like, I've been really looking forward to it, but it's been maybe two years that I've been trying to convince my boyfriend to have ice baths. We go to the spa like uh, at Trombla yeah. in the in the winter, they have like um, is, they have some ice tubs, but they actually have the whole river and they break a hole in it, and so you can go in. And so we were there, and like I went in, and I was like super zen, you know, just like for me, I've learned like some of the breath work, so I'm chilling, but yeah. I'm also doing it to like make it look really easy for him. <laughs> yeah, no, like, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's so perfect. He dipped his toe in and ran away. Like he was, he was like, no, I'm not doing this. So it's been like probably yeah two years that I've been like, come on, do the ice baths, do the ice baths. So actually, like, so right now I haven't seen him in like two months because I'm over here and he lives like an hour and a half away. And so we're quarantined different places, but he's been doing right. it three times a week. Like he actually has taken it up. But the first time he called me and left a voicemail while he was trying to do it. It is hilarious. Like he's like, I can't, I'm dying. What is this? Like he's completely freaking out. It's so funny. You're like, my girlfriend's tougher than me. This is unacceptable. I need to learn how to do this. I know, exactly. That's that's how I convince him to do things. I just keep doing it. Sometimes he just, like, he's like, whatever, it's fine. You're you're stronger, you're tougher. It's it's cool. I'm like, no, no, please do it. Try it. Like, I want yeah. to, uh, yeah, like, because I like to share those things. Like, you know, if I'm working on meditation, it's cool. If he is too, and we can talk about it. But, yeah, so now he's been into it. But it's it was a slow convincing. <laughs> so funny. Uh, but I like it. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious, like, what was, I know, like, right now, your, your training, like you said, your situation's really good, you're really optimistic about everything. What was your initial reaction when they did, like, move the Olympics and this whole thing happened? Well, it's weird, because we backed out first. It wasn't, the Olympics were can canceled. It's, Canada's not going to the Olympics. And you're like, great, like, yeah. awesome. I was actually part so of an email from Athens Can. They were, like, trying to get people to vote on it or something. Yeah, but it was really important. Like, honestly, like, it needed to be done. And it was going to be shut down anyway, but yeah. So at first, like that night was tough because I was great. I'm just missing the Olympics. Wonderful. But like, it's like, it should happen. I'm like, this, this shouldn't be happening. Like, like I was just not even track and field. Like I can train, like I could have continued to train realistically. If they said Olympics is on, you know, like whoever's able to train right now, good for you. Everybody else, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, there's a lot of track and field athletes who would have been okay, but like swimming, team sports like it would have been the worst olympics ever yeah and it would have compromised people's health and it was kind of stressful being like okay well if i go and train then like now i'm endangering my family and my parents who are like almost 70 and i'm like this isn't like this isn't cool you're asking people to endanger their families and endanger their loved ones or what if an athlete has um you know susceptibilities especially like paralympians say if there's like tons of issues with infections and like inability, like respiratory issues. And it's, it just wasn't right to ask people to do that. So as soon as they canceled it, I was like, 
it's for the better. Like the world is just on pause. You know, I'm not missing anything. That's, that's what's so great about this whole thing. I have no FOMO. There's nothing going on. That's a, you know, that's that feeling of calm that maybe a lot of us are feeling right now. And we're wondering what it is, yeah. but I think that's, you nailed it on the head. Yeah. Because when you take a vacation or you take a step back from things, you know, other people are doing something and working hard. And, you know, if you're in a competitive industry or, you know, track field, you're like, oh, they're working. I'm not. Right. And then you feel bad about it, even though, you know, you need your breaks. And I feel like this is the great break that everybody was needed and now we actually can feel like we're taking it we don't feel like we're behind when it's all over it's like no nothing has been happening right I, like, I really like that perspective how do you think people could take that maybe into like everyday life when they do say they have an injury or they are needing to take a break to not burn out but things are moving ahead like how do you think especially as an athlete that you can adapt to that kind of mindset I mean it's tough yeah I, I always have some rest programmed into like the end of my season. So normally like September, October is I get two weeks of like, I'm not allowed to exercise. Like yeah. do not break sweat. You're not allowed to <laughs> don't do it. Take a mental break, miss it. And then after that, it's kind of at your own pace and some running and some yoga and like that whole set chunk of time of do nothing. Like you're not allowed to do anything. It's like that. Those are my orders. Right. And just like, this is your lift. These are my orders. My orders are to do nothing. And I, so I think that's really important and that's the beauty of having a coach yeah. and this is that they say like, don't do this, take a break. And then, you know, there's also other times where they say that now is not the time to take a break. I'm like, you know, like, oh, I need a break now for this upcoming thing. Like, I feel like now would be a good time. They're like, no, now is the time to push. And, you know, like we might, I might say like, oh, okay, like, can we like try and time it here? And they're like, that's really bad timing. So there's, it's about knowing that breaks are timed. Just like every night is reserved for sleep and recovery, we have, you know, we have daily recovery and we have yearly recovery. Right. So it's kind of, it is that ebb and flow and allowing yourself to take a break and being like, okay, I need to book this off because I need to like clean some things up and let things recover. And I think that goes for work and life and anything. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's like, take that rest before your body or your mind is like, no, you need this rest. And then usually it ends up taking longer when you get to that point, right? Like when you reach that like burnout point or where your body breaks or your mind is, is having that issue. If you can just take those rest days or that rest within the day to, to be able to, you know, take two steps forward and not take three steps back. Yeah, yeah. Because like, whatever you beat yourself up on, you have to recover from. You're just constantly beating yourself up. It's never in a recovery of the place you want to be. And that's the fine dance of being an older athlete. It's like, okay, what's my limit here? And like, you know, I can only, I, can, I can't do everything in the training book. I have to pick and choose and say, okay, what is going to improve me the most? Right. Yeah, those priorities. Because, yeah, if you could just throw everything at, at, at yourself, it would be great. But it's just not, not the reality, really, with most athletes. Like, some can adapt to that level, but it's rare. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I know you're, I know last time we chatted, like you're into doing all those like little things, whether it's recovery or training or your morning routine. What are some of like your top three things that you do every day that make the biggest difference? Ooh, uh, meditate in the morning. I, when I don't do it, I'm definitely a little bit more chaotic. Um, or if I don't meditate, at least taking time to be quiet or be outside or go for a walk and not have my phone on me, not talk to anybody like, pure Liz time. Yeah. Um, 
lately it's been, I'm not allowed to drink my coffee until I meditate. I saw that. I like that. Yeah. That's been great just because a lot of the time, like, oh, I don't feel ready yet. And then I have my coffee and then I'm moving on something else and then I never get to it. Right. So even like, I just try and make like a really short one in the morning because I like really look forward to my coffee and get excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. And then once I've done that, I've had my, like, if I do it first, it'll have been done. If I feel like doing it again later, then I can. So that's one. Um, Two is probably sauna. Mm. Uh, We actually had a steam room in my house. So it's a little... It's it's interesting because it only gets up to 125 uh, Fahrenheit, but, and, you know, if you do a dry sauna, they say around 180 is kind of like a good benchmark of like, it's a really hot sauna. And if you can stay in it for 25 minutes, like that's solid and you're a savage. Um, But the wet sauna, you, it kind of, the humidity is so high that it transfers the heat to you a lot faster. (laughs) So I can struggle to stay in it. I think I might like throw up around 20 minutes. Um, And then I hop straight into an ice bath. But it's, oh, yeah. it's so great for flushing out stuff and just like, again, the massive hormone boost that you get from doing sauna with the heat shock proteins and just flushing out the day. Um, and then lastly is stretching. I'm, this has been a phenomenal time to move my mobility forwards in places that it hasn't been in a couple of years. Um, yeah. Cause it's just your time after you train and you're like, oh, it's like, you know, stretching is like the cherry on top of the cake. And it's like, no, you really just, it needs to be a major part of the program. Right. Um, so it's been, it's nice to be reminded of how useful that is. And I should have been way more sore from the program I'm on currently, but because there's such a large amount of stretching or yoga or just mobility work every day, it really seems to be like mitigating the effects of the training. And I feel like I'm recovering way faster and I'm uh, further along in the training cycle than I would have been otherwise. I really like that. Yeah, I need to get get stretching and mobilizing more myself. Yeah, I saw your your bridge or whatever you're doing. And I was like, I've been trying to do that too. But like, my shoulders are very, very limited. Yeah, I, it's not just doing the bridge either. It's like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to stretch in a simpler stretch in order to get there? Right. And it's even interesting, like, that's like the fourth or fifth time I've done the wheel, like those pictures at the bottom, that's the fourth or fifth time I've done it that session. So I'll do it and then I'll be like, okay, what's still kind of tight? And then I'll go back to another stretch that's just very specific to one part of the body. Right. And then I'll revisit the bridge again. I'll be like, okay, what could I use more of? How do I cue myself differently? So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's only at the end of a really good session that you can get that deep into a stretch, but it's amazing to see how far it can come even within one session. Yeah, that's really cool. I really like that. I think um, actually just like with different athletes I've chatted to, it's it's interesting that when you ask them like what's what's those important little things that they've learned each day, it's always things that has, have to do with recovery usually. Um, and yeah. I think those are like those little things that most athletes skip. And I think that's a big difference maker between like good and great. And so yeah. I'm wondering because I know a lot of people ask this and I've gotten a lot of questions whenever each week and I have athletes on about this is like, what motivates you or what actually like drives you the discipline that keeps you to do all those little things day in and day out? Well, I was actually thinking about this because actually right before I came on with you, I was watching this um, really great talk and it was just about breaking down the world, the current world champions technique and we're watching technique. And, you know, a lot of these people are, who are online and obviously coaches are students of javelin. Right. And I know a lot about javelin because I throw a lot and I've made a lot of changes, but 
I'm like the way they're talking about it biomechanically and the way they break it down. I was like, wow, these people are really like students javelin. And like, I'm not that way as much. Um, I'm very much like feel it. And when I'm there, I'm present, but I, and I do have my opinions on how I'm changing things, <laughs> but I kind of like pick something and then I stick with it and then I ignore all the other information because I'm doing one thing at a time. Right. Um, but when I'm looking at my recovery or I'm looking at my training or yoga, it's like, I could spend hours researching it. And it's not that I don't love javelin. It's that like, I love all these little, like, I love little bits of recovery. I think it's really fascinating that you can tweak something in your diet and it'll completely change the way you live your day. Right. Um, or just, you know, your, your skin will change because you realize like you're allergic to apples, like something strange like that. So like, I love these little things. So I've realized that like, I'm a bit more of a student of optimization of body and it helps me in javelin. Um, but I'm like, okay, I think what, what would happen if I actually took this obsessiveness I get with, uh, kind of body hacking and, um, just, you know, optimization and I applied it to javelin. You're right. And so I was, I was thinking about like, I need to take more videos and start analyzing it the way I analyze it. So I'm kind of excited for that switch over because I know I have the obsession in one way. I just need to push it. Right. I, I kind of feel the exact same way. Like even when it comes to my training, I'm like, I video myself say doing my lifts, but then I'm like, do I want to rewatch that over and over and see exactly where it is versus I'll do all the research when it comes to yeah, nutrition, uh, morning routines, the breathing techniques, yeah. but then it comes to yeah, like those little lifts. And that's definitely something I can improve upon as well. And I think, you know, I, I do think some of it is because you're, you're living it and you're doing it day in and day out. So you like want to learn yeah. about this new thing and this new technique, but to go back, you're like, I just spent all these hours doing that training. Do I want to like rewatch it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really strange, but it's so useful too. So I actually decided today, I was like, oh, I'm going to measure out a specific spot on the runway from where I throw and I'm going to like put a little marker down and then I'm going to film all my throws from that exact same angle. And then that way I can compare them really easily on multiple screens. Oh, that's cool. So it's like you have to find ways to make it more interesting or make it easier on yourself, right? Right. If you're constantly like zooming and trying to figure out the light and trying to figure out where it should be. It's like, no, I just plunk it down right here and it takes for me. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, by the way, guys, if anyone wants to submit questions, totally go for it. I saw a question pass by maybe a few minutes ago and someone was asking you how long you stretch before and after your training sessions. Um, I don't really stretch before my training session that much. I do some like really active stretching. So like, you know, like quick flow yoga or downward dogs, um, just to kind of get the kinks out. Yeah, it's, it's very active. I wouldn't say it's so much relaxing into a stretch as I'm pushing myself to kind of get my muscles going a little. Um, and then I probably like twice a week, I'll do two to three hours of yoga. Okay. Um, like stretching slash yoga because I'm working on something and it's like, I find it really fun. Yeah. And I know I can push these limits in very specific ways and certain stretches that I know will apply to javelin. Right. Um. And then probably like another mm, two days a week, probably like 30 to 40 minutes. But yeah, I always try and do something, something, anything after um, a session. I'm trying to engrave it that I don't stop a session without stretching for at least five minutes. Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely have like massive dedicated sessions to stretching. Just the stretching. Yeah. Do you, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I find it hard. Like you finish the session, you're like, Hey, I'm done with this but to sit down and actually rest like actually one of my coaches had a good point so he got me for about six months to 
um, do like 10 minutes of meditation to set my timer for 10 minutes after every session, yeah. especially if I was doing two a days. And I found it so beneficial because in between sessions, I felt then I was able to go and work without just like going home and wanting to have a nap. So I felt like that crash that would happen was like almost prevented by myself bringing my bringing myself down in some some level. Yeah, you're not just running to the next thing. It's you're like you're indicating to yourself that it's over. Yeah. And you're indicating to your nervous system that like this is done now. And if I have to come back later, I'll be restarting again. It doesn't feel like you ended, you did some busy stuff, and then you feel like you're back there already and it feels like the same session. Yeah. That's when days feel really, really long. Yeah. Or you're just like, you get to the gym, you're like, how am I going to do this? Like, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Those are tough. Like, it's, it's tough to get that drive to go back. How, I know you said you were going to have another lifting session after this. How do you um like how do you get yourself back in when maybe that you know that first session beat you down and you're like oh my gosh I have to do this next one a uh, couple tricks like you said like <laughs> I stretched I took a moment I ate something um I showered uh I have had training partners in the past who don't shower between sessions and that is disgusting for one <laughs> and for two it's you need it to I think wash the session off of you and like refresh like these are a lot of like metaphorical things, but they're really important to your brain because it's indicating that you're done with the session. Right. Um, other part is put on normal clothes. Um, That's a good perspective. Normal clothes or just not the clothes that you would use to do your workout. So if you wear sweats to work out, don't use your workout sweatpants to be your re relaxation or your work sweatpants. Put on, like have sweatpants for work, have sweatpants for working out. Don't mix the two. And like the same kind of applies to your sleep, right? Like don't wear a shirt to bed that you're going to wear to go out and have fun in. Like when you put something on, it should send a signal to your brain that like, okay, now we're doing this activity. Right. We're done with this. We're onto that. So like yeah. I finished my session, I had a shower and like now I've got regular shirt and I've got jeans on. Like, and it's just to indicate to my brain that like I was doing a webinar I was, and I'm talking to you, and then when I change out of these, I'll be like, okay, I'm changing out of my work clothes and into my workout clothes. Right. So I think really, like, telling your brain that you're done one thing, and that you're leaving it, and then coming back to something else, it doesn't feel like you never left the gym. Your day feels fuller in a better way, because you feel like you've had multiple different things happening, not like it's been a stream of ongoing busyness that you just haven't been able to get away from yeah oh I like that it seems so simple but I think that's like the simple things are the things that we forget and so it's almost so simple that we're like no that that, that can't work but yeah I think that's mm -hmm. really smart I'm gonna have to try some of those things for sure especially I think that's a really good point for all of us who are stuck at home and maybe working from home training from yeah. home like we're probably most of us are doing a lot of things whether in the same room or under the same roof so you know having different outfits and just varying your locations can be you know huge i've been trying to bring my laptop i actually i put a desk in the backyard just so that nice. i have like some sunlight when it's warm out and actually i was doing it even when it was like five degrees because i was like even if my hands are cold like, i just want that sunlight i'm craving it right now when we can't really go or travel anywhere and yeah. yeah that's been a big difference for me because i find yeah if you do everything all in one room it just just it's like a meh day yeah it's a massively meh day yeah so, yeah, so you've you've competed at, at the highest levels. And um, so a lot of people ask about women in sport, and I want to get to that for sure. But I thought I'd just finish with a couple of mindset questions since we've pretty much been talking about that most of the time. Um, and there was a couple other questions that people submitted that were about that. 
Um, how do you mentally prepare for like, for example, like an event as big as the Olympics, it only comes around so often. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's interesting because we plan in four year cycles. Um, and a lot of the time it's really important that the year after the Olympics, that people don't realize how much burnout they have and you need to take that year easier. And like, it might, it'll probably still go really well if you take it easier. But a lot of the time people are like, oh, I'm gonna push so hard right now. And it's like, you have four years calm yourself <laughs> like, yeah. like you have to look at this over such a long run right um and you know for me personally I've been uh my last Olympics I was injured in the months leading up and it, I was, it was going to be amazing and then I hurt my back and then I basically lost three months of training and so it totally messed up my ability to compete for that summer and so now it's you know it feels like my last great moment in sport was kind of like 20 15 and so it's kind of it's been very interesting to pace myself for these different events and to learn things as I'm getting older and um have minor injuries or be switching coaches or be switching training techniques it's it's a lot to prepare for but it's one of those things where you can plan out your years and start seeing a bigger picture right. and it's really nice when you don't have to rush so a lot of people are like oh you like training for the Olympics. How, how long have you been training for? Like a year? And I'm like, not really. <laughs> this is something that takes a lot of planning ahead of time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, it's all cumulative. You don't really do anything different in the year of the Olympics. You've just accumulated a lot of training, accumulated a lot of like small changes, and hopefully you've just become so consistent that you can perform on demand. I, I really like that. And I think, you know, if more people took that perspective into the new business that they start or anything else it's it's just so important because um i think that like even that mindset doesn't go across other sports like a lot of athletes might be competing every two days for example like they yeah. have a game or whatever so it's very cool to see the perspective from an olympian who you have four years is is your big event and so imagine like yeah just putting in all that work for all those years for that one big event versus most people in life are like what's tomorrow yeah yeah, well, it's, it teaches you patience. I mean, we have, you know, world championships and pennant games and commonwealths and um, tons of pro meets. So there's like, there are, obviously we compete every year with the intention of like doing really well. And there's really big events in track and field. Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely, it's a sport that teaches you to be very, very patient because we only get to compete for four months of the year and then the rest of the time it's building. Right. So for people like me who always want some kind of result, I have checklists for everything. I try and celebrate the smallest wins so that I feel like, you know, I'm doing something or I'm moving forward, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting trying to pace yourself for excellence. Yeah. I, yeah. I can imagine. Um, so I, the, another submitted question I got was, um, how do you deal with, if say you show up in a, at an event, you're getting ready for the event and all of a sudden you start having like these negative thoughts or this negative voice in your mind, how do you kind of snap out of it and refocus? So I've been doing a lot of mental training for the past couple of years. And one of the biggest things I've been doing is, you know, if that happens to you on the day and you don't have any skill set for how to deal with it ahead of time, that's a problem. Um, and you need to start practicing these things earlier. So anytime I'm warming up for a meet, um, or sorry, anytime I'm warming up for practice, I basically go through what the day is going to look like and then what my next big meet is going to be like. And... I think about, okay, like, what if, um, what do I, what if the bus is late? What if the umpire, or the umpire, what if the, um, 
uh, well, I'm forgetting what my own, the officials, what if the officials are rude or don't speak English? Or, you know, what if my foot kind of starts hurting? And you kind of go through these hypotheticals about little things that could happen. Right. And once you kind of do it from a place of calmness and not actually being at the meet, you then figure out, you do it from a place of wisdom. And then you've already thought it through. And then when you get to the meet, you're not in a panic state thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like this just happened. You're like, oh yeah, I already had a contingency plan for that. Like, this is how I'm going to react. Or this is my plan. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if you're, if you start having self doubt at a meet, it's because you don't believe in your training program or you've been injured and you don't believe that you're in the best shape that you could be in. Um, and, or you just think you haven't put in the proper amount of work. Like, you know, you skipped a bunch of practices because you were working on something else or you were in school and you know, those things have real consequences and it sucks when you get there and it's not good to not feel in your best form. But if you can plan ahead of time to say like, no, I did everything that I could have done. And you know, like I've done all the work. I focused myself. I've made the changes that I said I was going to make. Then you can feel confident in yourself because like you're not going to show up with much of doubt because you're going to believe in the training that you've done. I, I really like that. And that's actually, so like, that was a big game changer for me when I was competing in snowboarding and something that I try to tell a lot of young action sport athletes specifically, because most of them are just like, it's not part of the culture to be, it's like cool to train. So a lot of them, yeah. they don't want to go to the gym. They don't want to work out. And so one of the biggest game changers for me, apart from like injury prevention, especially like you're hitting an 80 foot jump and you crash, having some muscle mass there is pretty helpful. Um, and being able to absorb landings and all that stuff is that having that training and knowing you put in all that work actually makes you so much more confident when you get to the event. Like you're and a confident athlete is, is, is dangerous when it comes to a competition because they're not self-doubting. They're not worrying like what's going to happen here. Like I knew if I fell, I had a much more or much higher chance of not getting hugely injured than my peers. And I knew if the weather was bad, you know, I had some more muscle mass and some more weight to like get over the jumps if the wind was uphill. So there's all mm -hmm. these things that I could rely on my training to kind of give me that confidence. So I really like that perspective that if you do are, you are having those thoughts or you are having that self doubt and stuff, often it comes down to like, did you put in that work in your training? You might have that, you know, coming back and re reoccurring in your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is too, is once you do those things and you feel really comfortable in the situations, cause like you feel good about your training, you feel good about your muscle mass, you feel good about your odds because you know what you're doing is other people aren't doing it. Right. You actually cease to think about it entirely. It's no longer like doubtful thought. No, I'm okay. It's like, you just don't have these thoughts anymore. Which like if you're healthy, nothing hurts. You're not going to think about what if my body gets injured because yeah. nothing hurts because you've been doing all your rehab because you've been looking after yourself. I like that. Yeah. And it's because this is tiring on a game day. If you have to think about all those thoughts, you're already thinking of like everything you need to do right. Like imagine trying to fight everything you need to do right and everything you need to do wrong. Just yeah. the no win situation. <laughs> and you know, like I think preparing yourself for a meet is partially like you've already made all the contingency plans. You shouldn't be on the day of thinking of like, okay, what could go wrong? It should be like, what would this look like if it was a great day? Right. And what would I be doing to lead up to all these like great things? Yeah. And like, you can see it before and you can see yourself at the event doing well. Oh, I messed up that one little thing, but I brush it off because like, I know I've got like another throw to throw and like, I've got more chances. And I think when people kind of see it going well ahead of time, 
it's super useful. So like visualizing the day of your competition um, or even your practice and seeing it go well, even if it doesn't go well, then you've lived it once in your head. Right. And if you've overgone technique once or if you've overgone, you know, like something another time, it's another rep and it's another step closer to your goal. And it's another reason to be confident. I love that. That's awesome. Um, my last mindset question that I got, and actually this is a really interesting one. And so perhaps we can relate it back to, to exactly what we were just talking about is so you go in and, and you have all those, you know, you're, you're not thinking about what could go wrong. How do you deal with like after an event and things actually did go wrong? <laughs> like there was this failure that you had to deal with. How, like, is there any specific moments that you can remember that that happened? I'm, you know, I'm sure as an athlete, it's happened to all of us. And what did you take away from it? What's been your biggest takeaways from those failures? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes there's a reason. It's not an excuse, but there's a reason. Like, you know, you were tired or like you, like you really didn't sleep well or you just felt flat and you realized that your training program up to that point was maybe it was the wrong timing for that meet. That's happened sometimes. Um, but, you know, that's um, that's kind of a mistake that should be made very often. That's, um, that's not paying attention to what's going on. Right. Um, but, uh, for example, at World Championships last year, um, I felt amazing. My last practice before World Championships was, um, I, I hit my personal best three times in a row to practice. So I was like, wow, I'm not even trying right now. This is going to be an amazing meet. Like, I'm in a personal best at World Championships. It's going to be incredible. And I thought I planned everything down to the T. Like, I had all my timing set up. But there was a um, bit of a miscommunication between myself and Athletics Canada. So um, I was working with my old coach, who is the head of the um, throws at um, our world championships. And I was also, my personal coach was, was also there, but he was there and he was going to, um, if you could get in and watch the practice, we were going to do that. But I've been working with um, my other coach and the national throws coach for the last month. So I was like, you know, he's seen me the most. And right now I want him in the stadium with me because um, I've seen him the most. Right. And I want to keep the consistency. And so um, there was, uh, when I got there, I got, a, I got, when I got to Doha from the camp, I got there and then my personal coach couldn't get into the facility. And then my other coach was still training with another athlete back at camp. And so we didn't end up getting the logistics properly. And when I thought that I had to be at a call room, um, I thought I had to be at a certain call room at this time. And I thought it was at the throwing area, which is far away from the stadium. And you actually have to take a bus from the throwing area to the stadium. Oh, but the, the call area was actually at the track and the bus was leaving 15 minutes earlier from the throwing area. And so I, uh, I needed that time to do some throws to warm up. And it was part of my plan to, I'd had my last throwing session four days before, and it was super critical that I get my, um, my practice throws in before the qualifying round, because I needed to reactivate my nervous system and speed up the timing of things. And so I got to the field, I put on my shoes, and then there was nothing. Um, I, like, I, I put on my shoes, and then it's like, you're, it's like, hey, get on the bus. You're done. And I was like, uh. Oh. But I was actually, like, I've been meditating a ton, and I was like, you know what? It's no problem. I've gone to meets, done no throws, and done a personal best. It's fine. So I got to the stadium. I actually had a great head on my shoulders, but the reality of the situation was that I wasn't warmed up properly. And so I was finally getting warmed up in the final throw of the qualifier, but then I just didn't make it by three spots because it just wasn't enough to get me to the final. So um, that was hands down uh, the hardest 
experience of my entire career because I felt like I was robbed because I didn't, I didn't, I, uh, I failed to prepare to figure out when I was supposed to be where I was, even though I thought I had it. Yeah. And so, um, I spent like, I cried that entire night. I didn't see anybody for like a day and a half. Like I was like, I just need to like have all the tears. I need to have a super big pity party (laughs) and feel all the feelings and then just shut it down. Like after that it's over, you grieved it. Like it's, it felt like a death. It was awful. And I was like, now you need to move on because I have bigger goals. And like, I know I'm prepared. I had a phenomenal summer last year. And even though it didn't show up at the meet, like I had a lot of really great meets. I had a lot of consistency of training and just because it didn't go well at this meet, it doesn't mean it isn't building for the next one. Right. So anytime you fail, you have to say, okay, what did I learn? What do I take away from this? And move on but I think it's really important to have like have a big cry have a sad yeah because if you don't it'll show up later and you won't have dealt with it properly um normally I allot myself kind of like two hours like for any kind of like I'm upset about something you get two hours to be really sad and then you have to just go on with your life this time I gave myself 24 because I just couldn't deal with it (laughs) (laughs) I I understand yeah but normally like it's that's been the exception to the rule it's like unless it's like a breakup a death or like you know a world championships that didn't go your way like it's two hours <laughs> oh man yeah I, some of those things are so hard to deal with and sports are like they're super emotional i think if anyone watched for example the last dance like these last few weeks like they've seen how intense it is like imagine when you don't make it and you don't have that result you were looking for especially when it came to you know this mix yeah. up that was out you know it was in your control but also kind of like it wasn't in your control of performance and that's yeah that's tough that's definitely it's in my control because i'm an athlete who's older and often very in control i manage my program but it was out of my control because i'm normally used to someone being there to kind of walk me through that stuff and so like it was just the blind side that i didn't see but i got news for you that's probably never gonna happen to me again (laughs) (laughs) there there you go yeah that's perfect um okay so actually that that just brought up another question i wanted to ask you and do you find like is is your favorite part or what is your favorite part of competing because i know for me i've been finding that like now that i'm I'm not competing as much that what i've been missing the most is like when i finish a competition no matter how poorly it went from results or if i knew my prep wasn't great or whatever like sitting down after the competition reviewing is just like the some of the most valuable processes of my life i think like the amount i learn about myself in one weekend whether it's good or bad of competing is it's like uncomparable to to not doing it through sport or athletics and so i'm wondering on your end uh, especially when you just mentioned like some of the things that you've taken away from the failures what's your like what do you take away the most from competitions what's your favorite part about actually competing and being a competitor it's fun i get to throw something really far like <laughs> people watch me it's cool like, that is true it's, honestly it's just fun like i love competing and i love like there's nothing like throwing and being like that was the one right. like when you throw in a personal best or you throw in a great throw and everything lined up it's just like cracking a whip perfectly it's it's just that feeling of like yeah like that's right that was perfectly well timed i just it's kind of like this explosive moment and you just know that it's it's so weird to feel like a couple of years of training add up to like this one split second. Right. So it's, it's a little different in track and field because it is such a short period of time that it happens. 
but it's, it's very strange to feel everything, like all your training condensed into this one second and to feel the emotion of all the training into that one second. So I think that's kind of the part I meant. That is really cool. That is awesome. Um, yeah, so I wanted to touch on women in sport. I think we have 14 minutes left here. So, um, and we, we got a few good questions about it. And it's been on the top of my mind. Obviously, we're both females in sports. But it, it's been on the top of my mind because lately, I, I think it was three weeks ago, I made a TikTok about women in sport, just thinking it was like a thought I was having. I was sharing with my family, like, you know, I, I was I was hearing about the NFL draft. And I was like, imagine that feeling of like the of being drafted like everything you've worked for and you get to and then you get to go play every weekend or twice a week or how often they play in front of so many people like buying your jersey screaming your name like that is so cool and I, was yeah. like, I want that for for women growing up to like be able to believe that they can do that in sports so I posted like you know something about how like it it, it kind of makes me sad that that women don't have that opportunity and then I woke up to 3,000 comments of like young teen boys talking about how they there all these negative things I was getting hate messages even over to my Instagram like it was crazy it was like weeks of craziness like people commenting on any other video I made that had nothing to do with women in sport being like you know like just bashing women in sport and so I had never realized this because I knew I took some of that growing up for sure but my dad put me in like men's boys baseball he yeah. taught me to play everything right so like when I was a kid I was like I'm going to the NHL I'm going to this and he never corrected me and obviously I had to learn that throughout the years yeah. but I was really I think I was very lucky to not necessarily have experienced it as hard and be in an individual sport where they are working towards equality in both the sports that I've been you know a part of at a more competitive level so um just seeing that was like I it, it disappointed me that there wasn't maybe this progress that I thought that there was with the younger generation in believing in this so I'm wondering like what has it been like for you as a as a female coming up in in the sport that you have um, well, I've got a little bit of a different presence, um, as you know, but other people don't know. I'm 6'1", um, and I walk down the street, and I carry myself, myself very proudly, and, you know, I intimidate quite a few people, and so it's, it's very interesting because a lot of people, like, they, I've never had my athleticism questioned just because of my stature, right? Um, which I know has got to feel a little bit different for a lot of other women. Right. Um, and um, track and field's cool because it's side by side, men and women competing together, right? Yeah. So you'll definitely notice, like, there's some events that people don't want to watch as much, but javelin is not one of them. Like, people think it's really cool, and they, like, you have these like tall women like heaving a spear across the field, and it looks like some Amazon princess queen <laughs> throwing a javelin with like their country strapped across their chest, right? Awesome. It's a cool, it's a cool experience. And um, Yes, you know, I think when you can combine power and athleticism in a sport, I think people also respect that a lot as well. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had too many issues with that. I remember like, um, I know some people have, I've had, I, I know some men who are like, oh, well, like, you know, no matter what, I was better at throwing javelin than you. I'm like, no, technically I'm way better at throwing javelin than you. You just have hormones. Congratulations. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's beautiful to watch you throw javelin. Right. <laughs> that's, I, so. that's a good perspective because I, I felt 
Yeah, I, I felt that for sure. Like I had a lot of guys. So for example, snowboarding, like, you know, girls aren't doing triple corks or quad corks at like some of the guys. And, um, but, but they're holding their own and they're all right in their own right and progressing super quickly, actually, right now, like, um, my yeah. first live was with one of my friends who won gold at X Games and big air and just like seeing the progression of watching it. I was like, man, we used to compete together. And I do not want to be doing the same tricks that you've been doing. But yeah, uh yeah like coming up i would i'd be riding with the guys i would train with with a lot of the guys but like around here there wasn't any competitive guys but they were like my best friends were all guys and we snowboard together but some of them would always poke jokes like if i put on a wig i could you know be on the national team too i could compete at uh x games i could be the best female if i just put on a wig and because i can do the same tricks and it was you know that that's a tough one because i don't think that you can compare them side by side. They all have their own, like people want to watch women's snowboarding for the reasons they want to watch it. People want to watch men's snowboarding for the reason they want to watch it. It doesn't have to be a competition between between the two things. And so yeah. it's cool to see that in track and field, there there maybe is less of a competition between them, which yeah. is, that's been really good to, to hear. Yeah, and like that's tough too, because it's like, okay, so if you're a guy, you're stronger, so you can have a higher takeoff, so you can do more stuff in the air, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's other things where it's like women's volleyball, for example. I think it is way better to watch than men's volleyball because there's so much more rally. Right. There's so much more structure. And it's almost like the men's speed and strength ends up actually like impeding the viewer's ability to enjoy the game as much because like I find like there's less rallying because there's so much power behind the ball. Right. So it is very interesting to be like, okay, well, like there's some sports where like you can really see it's like women's athleticism is really like highlighted. And it's actually like a better experience and, you know, not all of sporting experiences are equal. Right. Um, like it, it's just a very different game to watch. That's yeah. That's been one of my thoughts is like from a marketing perspective and from the actual sport is like, we can't, if someone made a professional women's league in, in a bunch of different sports that don't have one already, it can't just directly mm -hmm. compete against the men's. I think exactly what you said, like there's different aspects of the game that could be, uh, highlighted more to really get people to watch both right like people will want to watch women's volleyball for that the rallying and all those types of things and they'll want to watch yeah. men's volleyball for for the other reasons but it doesn't have to be you know you're either going to watch this or this I don't think that's it's a kind of a lose-lose situation in, in that sense yeah. yeah that's 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 interesting so I have a few like super quick fire questions that I want to get to um all right yeah, because we have eight minutes, and so I feel like we could probably talk about mindset or women in sport probably for <laughs> a long time, but Instagram will cut us off, so. Um, so, okay, so I have some quick fire questions. My first one is, what is your go-to hype-up song right now? Ooh, there's so many. <laughs> um, there's this one song called, like, Bomb Bomb, like B-A-M, B-A-M. Okay. I forget who it's by exactly. I, I put it on one of my squat videos the other day. Um, and it's just got this big, like, the cover is a big emoji of a peach. <laughs> but it's just got, like, such a good beat. So, like, whenever I'm, like, going to the gym and stuff, like, it's, I try not to put it on too often because it's, like, okay, I don't want to get sick of this song. I really like it. <laughs> That's the worst. When you, yeah, you just play them nonstop. When I was snowboarding, I'd have one song for the competition day. But now I can never listen to those songs again. Because no. It's, like, you you listen to it oh, thousands of times, maybe. Yeah, you muted yourself to its effect. Uh, yeah, that's the worst part about music. I wish you could just, like, forget you knew a song and re just relearn it all over again. Yeah. Okay, second one is, what's your favorite or your go-to post-competition food? Ooh, I don't have one. Um, it's honestly, like, I just want healthy dinner, and it's, when I'm traveling, it's whatever they're offering. Yeah, 
<laughs> because I'm on circuit and they're like, here's dinner. It's 11 p.m. You're like, this is weird. I'm in China. I'm eating like, strange things. I don't know what it is, but it's green. So I'm taking it. Oh, yeah. People, um, people don't realize that. Like you go to these, you know, it was the same with us with the World Cup circuit. Like you, they had to deal with hotels and it'd be a buffet. I'm like, I got food poisoning at one once right before a competition, which was terrible. Not good memories. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, especially being I was in high altitude. And so like trying to go up to train the next day I was and being sick. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh. took a good day off there. But um, yeah. yeah, like yeah, people don't realize you don't really get to choose your food that often depending where you are. Like, you, you probably have to you're just at the limbo of like a buffet. Yeah, basically, I uh, just try and hold back. But for me, it's like I've tried to have like treats after competition and my body hates it. I had um, the last summer, I had some Dairy Queen, I just wanted a blizzard. Oh. And I got halfway through it. And I was like, I don't want this. This is not what I want right now. Like I want some vegetables. Like this yeah. was a mistake. I almost feel the same. I think it's like my body was in such sympathetic that it's not going to digest well, whatever I eat. And then also it's like you exerted yourself so much. Like I, for example, having pizza, all my friends are like, let's have pizza. The days I've had pizza after competing, especially like in a CrossFit competition, you just burn so much energy. I wake up like a hangover. It's all the salt and like, Oh, it's the worst feeling the next day. So I'm like, if you guys want to eat pizza or something bad, like first let me sit down and have a really good meal because if I don't, I will just feel even worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not worth it. All right. Okay. What's um, one piece of technology that you can't live without? Ooh, well, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been great just because like uh, I got a Google Pixel 3 and so it was an amazing camera. And so it's been awesome for like filming and slow-mo and just like the stuff that I can, can do on here. It's so, so useful. Like um, it, it's so interesting when you think about athletes now versus athletes like in the 80s and there was amazing athletes in the 80s but they didn't have the ability to have video feedback like we have and yeah. our ability to increase our skill just because we have so much resource available to us and just because we can watch ourselves do something pick it apart and then retry it is like it's such a game changer so yeah my basically my camera on my phone and ability to rewatch it in real time is Hands down, one of the best training tools you can have. That is awesome. Yeah, that is true. I totally agree with that one. It's so powerful what we have in our phones nowadays. I'm excited to see what we'll have in 10 years from now. It'll be insane. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. If you could, okay. if you if you could describe your legacy or what you want your legacy to be in one word, what would that word be? Mm, one word, that's pretty tough. <laughs> The last person, uh, one of my friends, he answered cool. And I was like, all right, okay. Oh, God. Um, one of my favorite sayings is, like, consistency breeds success. So I guess, like, consistency or perseverance, just something to say, like, something to initiate the tone of, you might not have it today, but the work you do today will carry forward. I like and it's not going to feel like it every day, but it's yeah consistency is key i like it that's awesome well it's been amazing to catch up um yeah, yeah I've, I've really enjoyed this especially like i think we haven't chatted in a while so um yeah i, I like to, to hear what you're up to and and share some some different perspectives on mindset and different things that people can take away because i think um like it's been really cool sharing these things and seeing the response because i think a lot of people no matter what level of athlete they are or if they're not an athlete 
just like hearing these stories about what athletes are doing and the different mindset it's like we're all in a position right now where we're all kind of being tested and being tried and and you know having to rely on our mindset so um hopefully yeah. this can give some good takeaways to some people um who might be dealing with different things their own life competition in a sense yeah absolutely awesome yeah, nice to talk to you. It's yeah, so enjoy your second training session. Hope you listen to that hype up song and don't wear it out too much. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Have a nice night. All right, see ya. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me at Natalie Allport, and check out my website, www.natalieallport.com. Thank you for tuning in.